And that's why I believe in you because that is the greatest purpose. It's to love. Honest. It's to, it sounds corny. Whatever you want to say, I don't care. I love people because there is freedom and power in loving people. Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we have the crazy belief that creating success and happiness is a daily conscious effort, which is why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week. I'm your host, Brandon Beecham, and each and every Wednesday, you can tune in to hear me interview a different consciousness changemaker that is out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness all across Spaceship Earth. On the other four weekdays, you can tune in to myself and my co-host, Dalian, giving interpretations of our favorite thought-provoking quotes, sharing a bit of inspiring or mysterious news, taking questions from the audience, and digging into any other mind-expansive topics that will help keep your soul fed by tuning you in to positive vibrations on a regular basis. Also, this Positive Head podcast is definitely a labor of love for Dalian and I, but make no mistake, it takes a lot of time, energy, and resources to produce five episodes each and every week for you, our listeners. So if you enjoy the Positive Head podcast, it would be stellar and much appreciated if you showed us your support at PositiveHead.com by picking up one of our unique Positive Head bracelets. Of course, you would most certainly be helping yourself in the process because it functions as much more than just another stylish accessory. And if you haven't ever seen one, they're really cool, simple little bracelets with our Flower of Life Sacred Geometry inspired logo. They're actually made out of recycled tires and metal, so our intention is, of course, to do something positive by giving new life to previously discarded goods. And as far as their functionality goes, they act as a daily reminder to help you focus on the positive aspects of your daily life. The concept was actually inspired by studies that you can read about on our our website. But besides that, many people believe just wearing something with sacred geometry is empowering in and of itself, uh, which you can also read about on our site. And of course, as the Buddha once famously said, what you think you become. So we believe having something on your wrist that reminds you to keep a positive head the same way a Fitbit reminds you to keep active makes a whole lot of sense. Of course, we charge way less than Fitbit for helping you to manage your mental health because we let you name your price for your positive head bracelet. The reason we do that is because our heartfelt intention is to spread the positivity at all costs, first and foremost. That is our primary aim. And we don't ever want money to stand in the way of somebody wearing one. So if money is super tight and you want to pay as low as our cost to get one, no problem. On the flip side, if you love our podcast and just hit the lotto and want to show us your support by paying a million dollars for one, well, that won't hurt our feelings much either, I assure you. All right, all you positive heads, welcome back to another episode of the Positive Head Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Beecham. Dalian the Aliens here with me. What is going on, Dalian? Hello. Hi. I am here. I am here. Yes. Yes. I am here. Yes. Yes. Uh, Although, attention. (laughs) Other parts of me apparently are scattered throughout. He's still uh, typing and and halfway paying attention, but he's sort of paying attention. And I think we've got his attention. So, right. Let me begin. No, yeah, I really meant that. You know, it's, I'm I'm a little distracted, but also other parts of me are scattered throughout space and time. (laughs) Oh, dun dun dun. Right. 
Ah, let's the see. The same is true for all of you humans. I mean, well, actually, people I was for just watching this really interesting, um, interesting documentary on Gaia TV last uh-huh. night. If you guys don't know what Gaia is, it's it's a really cool um, sort of conscious network where there's all kinds of streaming video and stuff, and it's a monthly subscription. But they have a lot of cool stuff on there, and this. Uh, particular documentary was called Flipside, and what you just said made me think of that in in that it's like people being hypnotized going through past life regression and in between lives and what their experiences are like and really really cool really interesting uh i actually want to interview uh one of the guys from the show uh or that you know one of the main sort of characters i guess you would say um that had conducted a lot of the hypnotisms i forget his name off the top of my head but anyway um yeah very cool and and one of the things that at some point in there they were talking about how we only i think it was in that one i've watched several in the last week so (laughs) i could be mixing up my documentaries but i think it was that one where it talks about how we only uh sort of invest maybe like a third of our soul's energy in our bodies so a part of us is always there on that other other side you never fully come into the physical body with your soul's energy because it would just you know, sort of blow up the body. It's uh, it's sort of like you're dipping your little toe into this physical dimension. So part of you remains, which I find uh, to be a pretty interesting concept to ponder. Uh huh. And you said up to a third because oh, it- I, I think it's different for different people. How much it's like in this uh, life between lives. Uh, they were this person was sitting down with their their guide and trying to decide where they would go next and then all these scenes were appearing like okay which let's start with geography you know and seeing snowy and you know different the woods and different times and places and then it's like you're kind of zeroing in on which life you want to go experience yet next then how much of yourself do you want to sort of deposit into the character how much it's just a it sounds like such a fascinating sort of um process and then i guess all the characters that will play certain roles in your life are there uh, or you have meetings with them there's a lot of planning that goes on and okay you're gonna meet me at this point and interact in this way and um <clears throat> just really just fascinating uh perspectives i mean it talked about uh, sort of uh, this one woman was recounting her life in Nazi concentration camp. And of course she had a name and all these things. And then they went and found that certainly someone with that name had been uh, killed in the concentration camp in the gas chambers. And she was talking about how on the other side, you get the perspective of what the person who actually afflicted the pain, what it was like for them and how hard it was for them to do this sort of awful thing and how really her her end understanding from the other side was i'm much i'm very glad that i got to be the victim as opposed to the perpetrator because the perpetrator is really the one at a soul level who goes through more of the pain and uh i find that uh really quite quite fascinating perspective you know when you can fully see it another woman was talking about how her um let's see her in in a past life she was it was like the 1800s and she had stolen food on the ship that she was on out at sea and so the captain actually had her thrown over and watched her drown and uh in this life she had realized that her father who had saved her from drowning was um actually that same character 
So here, you know, in this life, he saved her. In that life, he drowned her. And she was in between lives when she was having the experience of what it was like for him, uh, how difficult it was to to do that thing to her, so to speak. So it's uh, it, it kind of is is in line with one of my favorite children's books, favorite books, period. But it's a children's book called, called The Little Soul in the Sun. And it talks about how, you know, for us to have these certain experiences, uh, souls have to sort of lower their vibration to do awful things to us or whatever it is we need to overcome or want to overcome. And that's very difficult for the soul doing that because that's not their natural state, natural way of being. And they suffer in the process. Mm, it is. That is fascinating. Maybe I need to watch a little more Gaia TV because you've already mentioned it uh, a couple of times here in recent episodes. Yeah. And it's definitely, it definitely sounds like there's fascinating content in there. I am intrigued by what you just said. And I think a lot of our listeners would be just because it's the stuff that we, you know, normally discuss, yeah. I would say, or yeah. regularly. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, good stuff. So let's uh, see. Let's get right into the show. I kind of got on off, got off on a little tangent there, but uh, a good tangent. So, uh, uh, how about a story? Sure. Uh, well, yeah, we're already a we, mysterious we were story. Um, I do a have actually a story. bit of a, yes, my stories have a bit of each, Brendan, a little bit of mysterious and magical and just feel good. The one that I saw that I had to talk about today, uh, and I'll discuss an article that I thought was interesting, but uh, on the Good News Network uh, website, Brandon, mm-hmm. uh, a story about uh, the Orlando Memorial a- after these, this uh, you know recent uh, tragedy that's uh, horrible, of course, what's happened. But um, yeah. I guess people were gathered in a candlelight vigil. Um, and uh, it, it was daytime. So they were at the location um, of the shooting there in Orlando and uh, a rainbow appeared, right? Oh, wow. So, um, of course, that's symbolic for many reasons. But um, then I suppose around that same time, Brandon, there, there was a flock of birds spotted. Uh, that was exactly 49 birds. Oh, wow. All clustered and that's together. how many died, right? Yeah. There's a, here a tweet um, by... Uh, a guy, Joel Franco, and he managed to, um, I don't know if this is a person who took the photograph, of course, but he put the caption, 49 birds flew over the Orlando shooting memorial honoring the 49 victims. Wow. So, um, yeah, pretty um, pretty impactful there because that sort of imagery, you know, the the rainbow and the flock of birds together uh, made for a you know pretty powerful moment for the people who were there. And I guess, you know, a lot of people were there saw that and were, you know, sort of touched by the, yeah, you know, that's th- incredible. The, yeah. Everything, I, you know, as a story, there's really not a whole lot more to it than that. But I thought Other it was, than yeah. this is beautiful and magical. That's, it's, yeah. it's enough of a story in itself. You know, that's something that we constantly talk about is these sort of signs and, uh, synchronicities, of course, and what a beautiful, uh, you know, magical happening. I mean, that's, I wonder if all the people that were there at the time of the memorial were aware of the numbers of the birds being the same, or that was something that was sort of figured out later. Oh, no, I think it might've been actually the following day, but it says one day after the shooting, Joel Franco snapped a photo of a flock of birds flying overhead at a memorial service. Only his friends began only, I guess it should be only after his friends began counting them. Did they, did he realize that there were exactly 49 birds in the sky? So yeah, that's uh, fascinating. And uh, uh, yeah, beautiful moment. I guess it was even uh, part of that was captured in uh, local news uh, network footage. So that was beautiful. And I thought worth mentioning. Awesome. Yeah. A bit of positive news. 
one article, Brandon, that I found that I thought uh, was interesting because I started reading it and I thought it would be worth mentioning uh-huh. is one on collective evolution. Okay, um, this is something different. Yeah. Okay. By Graham Hancock. And this is someone who uh, would be uh, interesting to possibly talk to one day yeah, yeah, or yeah. to find uh, some, you know, worthy uh, passage, audio clip or a quote, something like this by. But uh, yeah, struck me a bit of a modern day Terrence McKenna a little mm-hmm. bit with this. Uh, this particular article is called Graham Han- Hancock and Humanity's True Origins mm-hmm. and uh, why uh, there was a connection with Terrence McKenna was because of this uh, sort of... Uh, ancient um the uh, psychedelic theory of uh these uh primal uh, or um yeah hum- human humanity's ancestors um consuming uh, psychedelic mushrooms mm-hmm. and substances like this which i guess helped uh, bring about a you know very creative state of mind at least that's his argument and he goes into a a whole um bunch of other things like uh, research on egyptology and things like this but i thought that that was the interesting uh, angle for sure was that uh he argues in particular that there was a kind of um, magic mushroom or psychedelic mushroom that was only previously thought to be available in uh, America, I believe. Uh-huh. And he proves or or has a lot of com- compelling uh, evidence that it was also available in Europe, which would have, uh, I guess, changed the... Uh, it would have essentially made the this uh, possibility m- more widespread, I suppose, huh. than, than, you know, what has been reported since, so... Very cool. Yeah, he's uh, Graham Han- Hancock is definitely an interesting character and uh, someone I would love to get on the show. So I will set that intention. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, then moving right along, I would like to move into the positive pondering breakdown of the day. And today's quote is by none other than Jimi Hendrix. Very well-known quote, when the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace. This quote is very, very popular. Many of you have probably seen it because it is such a powerful, impactful truth uh, about our place and time in, in evolution and on this planet. So many people strive for power and control and that means so much to them and they don't realize that love is the ultimate form of power. And if you let go of having or needing or wanting power, that's really the key to getting anything. So many people working so hard and trying to manipulate to get power. How do I get power? How do I become more in control? Um, And (laughs) releasing all those needs and focusing on how do I serve? How do I love? How do I move more fully into the vibration, uh, the vibrational pool of love is where all authentic power comes from. And this is something that I think we, I believe we all need to remind ourselves of regularly as it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day rat race of this life and, you know, status and so forth. And the ultimate status is being uh, a giver, being unconditionally loving. And uh, if we achieve that state, any moment that we achieve that state, we are the most powerful being on the in the cosmos or as powerful as any being in the cosmos because it's the ultimate highest peak vibration and what is the point of it all to have the most to have the uh, the highest most profound peak vibration 
and experience that we can. That is the reason for living. So when you move into the state of unconditional love and acceptance and non-judgment, you have found the ultimate success. You are the most successful being and as successful as any being can be. And uh, power, any other power outside of that becomes very... Um, I don't know, minuscule in comparison. It just doesn't, it doesn't hold up. And so, you know, if we can all just start focusing regularly every day, circling it, of course, that's what this show is all about. It is a daily conscious effort to focus on this. There's so many distractions, so many things coming at us, so many reasons to judge or be angry or hate or get out of sync with this unconditionally loving vibration. But, uh, the power of all things is moving back into stepping back into a state of love and acceptance and and allowing uh, allowance uh, of what is happening and non resistance. That being said, I would like to bring in another bit of help from uh, a powerful individual, uh, someone who has power without seeking power, I would say, that recently crossed over. That is one of my favorite all time teachers, Dr. Wayne Dyer, and he. This particular talk is uh, called Talks About Being Yourself. I found it on the Life You Want YouTube page. Let's take a listen. You don't have to get on a spaceship in order to find God. You just have to look deep within yourself. And I think the second thing that I would have told them is that in order to get to the next level, which he was promoting... You don't have to leave your vehicle, which is also what he was promoting. That it's possible to reach the next level in this vehicle, because this is the time to honor this incarnation, to honor who you are, why you are here. And one of the great things that my uh, earliest teacher, Abraham Maslow, taught me was that there are really three things that separate out these highly functioning people that he called self-actualizers from the rest, of, uh, the rest of us in ordinary human awareness. He said the first thing is that these people are independent of the good opinion of other people. And as I studied these great contributors that I've written this uh, book of essays about, I found that every single one of them sort of marched to their own drummer, music that they heard. Independence from the good opinion of others. The second thing he said is that these were people that were detached from outcome. That is, they didn't do what they did in their life in order to receive something for it. They weren't on outcome. They were in what we call process. They were just doing what they do because their heart told them, this is what your heroic mission is. This is what you're here for. And the third thing he said that separated these people out from ordinary human awareness is that these were people who had no investment in power or control over others. This wasn't what their life was about. That their life was much more about being on purpose and letting other people's opinions and how they dealt with things be something that others handled. And if you look at the people in the Heaven's Gate and the, the people who uh, belong to cults and so on, the uh, they violated all three of those principles. Certainly they were not independent of the good opinion of others. That's what they lived for, was this charismatic leader's opinion. And certainly they were attached to outcome. They were headed towards a better one. And this leader 
as he called himself, was someone who had great power and control over others. This is what what his life was about. So that whenever I meet anybody who has an investment in power or control over me, or is more concerned with their outcome, or is more concerned with their good opinions, I know that I'm not with what I think of as an authentic person at this highest level. And these are qualities to really look at in your life. I remember when I had this explained to me, when Maslow said, uh, when I asked him, what do you mean by self-actualization? He said, these are people who are independent of the good opinion of others. I said, well, that's what I'm going to do from now on. I was 27 years old. I'm going to be independent of the good opinion of others. And he gave me this strange look. And I immediately worried about what that look meant. And whether it would affect my grade, you know. So getting to that place where you're independent of the good opinion of others. Back in the, uh, in the 70s, the late 70s and the early 80s, I was a regular on The Tonight Show. I did that show 30-some times, and uh, uh, it was uh, about every three or four weeks I would go up there and, and do the show. And then I would go home, and I had written this book uh, called Your Erroneous Sound. And it was all about not worrying about other people's approval and all of these kinds of things. And I would go home, and I would go on the show, and when you go on a show like that, uh, you have seven or eight minutes, and you have to say something quick and something light and something funny if you want to get invited back. I would go on, and I would tell a little joke or say something amusing or whatever, and then I'd get home, and I'd have five or six hundred letters from people from all over the country angry at me about um, what I had said, how I had said it, and so on. So I used to think to myself, why do I let these things bother me? Because they did, and I would find myself, all of the nice letters, I would just set aside and say, that's nice, but the people that were saying something, I would want to defend myself to these people. Then I came across this wonderful letter that um, that H.L. Mencken, who was a humorist at the early part of this century, um, had uh, copied. And 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 he he would write, he was like a a modern-day Voltaire. I mean, he just took on everybody. Or Art Buckwald would be another example of this kind of reporter in the 20s. But he satirized everything. And he had written out in one of his columns to anybody who might send something critical to me, this is my response. (laughs) And he had done it in advance. And I thought it was so good that I had 5,000 copies of it. Mimeograph. This was before Xerox. <laughs> 5,000 copies of this thing, Mimeograph. And every time I would get back from doing The Tonight Show and I got a whole host of these letters, I would just steal 40 or 50 of those into an envelope and then just send them off all over the country. And I wanted to be a fly on the wall when they would open them up and read them. I'm far too spiritual today to do such a thing. But the fact that I like to tell this says how about I think a lot about me. And here's what the letter said. I am sitting here in the smallest room in my house. 
Now you all know what room that is. <laughs> With your letter of criticism before me. Soon it will be behind me. H. L. Mencken. I wouldn't do that today. But it's a great anecdote for talking about how to get yourself to this place in your life where you literally become independent of the good opinion of other people without having to, uh, to make them appear foolish. And what I want to speak about here is something that I call, uh, I've called in, in some of my writing and, and tapes and so on, manifesting. This idea of uh, city consciousness Christ consciousness is a is a place in our lives where um, the definition of it that I like best is a definition that says that city consciousness is a consciousness in which there is an absence of a time delay between what it is you are thinking about and having it materialize on the physical plane. So in the New Testament, this is referred to as the gift of fish and loaves. Okay, so that when you want to feed somebody and you don't have any food around and you can't get to a grocery store, if you're living at this level of consciousness, you put your attention on food and you are somehow, your energy connects with that food and it appears, called materializing or manifesting. Or whatever. Now, I'm not saying that here in this program, when it's over, you'll be able to put your attention on having a new BMW in your driveway when you get home, and it'll be there. Although I'm not saying it won't happen. My wife knows how to do this. <laughs> so does yours. <laughs> I just follow her around saying, how do you do that? So, yeah... Very insightful, the, the you know, three uh, attributes of self-actualizers, people that are separated from ordinary, more typical human awareness, uh, stop, you know, caring so much about the opinion of others, becoming detached from the outcome, and no investment in power or control over others. When you put these three things together, wow, this is authentic power. You're not caring about what others think. You're not um, caring what the outcome is. And you're not caring about doing something for uh, accolades or power or success or fame or fortune. You're doing it because it is in line with your, your heroic call to serve. And I challenge everyone listening, find what is your heroic call to serve others. This is where you're going to light up. This is where you're going to find that happiness that you just can't buy with material goods or with food or with, you know, drugs or with drinks or with, you know, sex or with anything else. This is where the real uh, rush, the ecstasy of life is going to come for all of us in our own unique way to serve and doing it without caring because if we care about the good opinion of others, uh, all we're going to do our whole life, you're never going to make everyone happy no way is even a 
you know, majority of people, well, maybe a majority, but there's always going to be millions of people who would be against whatever it is you think you should be doing. And uh, if you care about that, you're going to spend your whole life on a on a treadmill trying to please other people. And so many people get caught up in this and waste their life, you know, caring what other people think uh, about them instead of getting in line with their own path. Indeed, Brandon. I thought that your quote today and definitely this uh, clip and this follow-up resonates so much with uh, the consciousness of love and spirituality and what I think it's all about, even though, of course, the pull of matter and the illusion, it's pretty strong. And uh, I think that we all really deep down believe that, um, you know, love is the ultimate power. I think, and you know, we reflect that a lot in, you know, our cultural sayings and you can see that across culture. Yeah. It's, you know, the underlying idea that the power of love is, you know, one of the, you know, biggest forces in the universe. Even for me to say that, as I say that, I, you know, a part of me is aware that this is true, but an, another part of me, perhaps a bigger part of me as a human being anyway, uh, is really just scarcely aware of how big that power is really. And, you know, I certainly don't practice it as much as I could. But should be I our da- that, it should be our daily practice, right? Yeah, How do I course. get into the vibrational pool of unconditional love today? And, exactly, and, and and flop around there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, oh, yeah. This analogy of the pool that you're splashing in, someone was just like recently complimenting you on, and that's a good one because it it, it introduces that playful quality. Yeah. But but you know, love being such a big, of course, powerful force. How you know many times we reflect something that's an understanding of uh, something completely other than that you know what i mean i would say even opposite but ultimately what we have to realize is that love is so big that it just embraces everything Mm -hmm. even our you know so-called misdeeds and uh even these unspeakable things that we do sometimes but uh you know it's there waiting for us in the end to come around to this realization you know it'll just sort of like patiently wait until the end of time but eventually we will get that love is the greatest power. It, it can make some grand, beautiful gesture, even something like this story that I was talking about. Yeah. Or, you know, of course, be patient and uh, very gentle, very non-judgmental. But uh, love is powerful, very powerful, ultimately. It's this authentic power. So it's, it's power without trying to be powerful. You know? Exactly. Very well said. Oh, well, Dalian, looks like we're out of imaginary time for today's episode. Thankfully, there's a lot more imaginary time where that came from uh an infinite amount indeed <laughs> i sure so, hope so <laughs> yeah so uh what do we have as far as musical stylings to leave the listeners with if you go to spotify it's a spotify curated playlist it's called atmospheric calm it's got a lot of uh artists that i like and recognize in there and some good stuff that i haven't heard before this is from the album leaf i think mm-hmm. i've heard this artist name before mm-hmm. and the track is called back to the start Ah, back to the start. Enjoy.